Spokesman's Journal, December 7th. There's a locked equipment shed by the lumber yard. No one knows who it belongs to, and nobody seems to have the key. Every time I try to bring it up, people change the topic. Like most of the town's mysteries so far, this one is probably nothing. Once I finally get it open, it'll turn out to contain rusted tools or some other such revelation. Then I will continue to look the fool, and the revealer will slap me on the back and laugh at my expense. I keep telling myself that. But what if I'm wrong? Or... Am I just losing it? I don't like to think about that. Winter has only just begun. Ravi Specht, spokesman of the town of Dyer, wondered when he would get to be useful. He was their leader, in a sense. He was also completely, utterly redundant. He waved at Mr. Streamwise, and the man waved back from his front door, then closed the door behind him before Ravi could even speak. No, no, he didn't need anything today. It would be nice if they would at least let him ask. So Ravi continued making his evening rounds smiling at people, waving at people, looking the part of the dedicated spokesman, checking in on his people. Were they his people? He'd been in Dyer just four months, arriving before the first chill was even in the air. In that time, it seemed like nobody had really let him in. He felt like a stranger. That was probably just how small towns worked. He'd figure it out. He'd find his place in this community. When they were ready, they'd let him in. Ravi sat down on a stump outside the treating post and pulled out his canteen. He had seven jackets on. It made him look very large. Yes, yes, it was the jackets that made him look large. A man came out of the trading post and walked right past Ravi. Ravi scrambled to put away his canteen and ended up just throwing it on the ground when he couldn't get the top on. His name? What was his name? Nap. Nerp. Nape? No, definitely not Nape. That wasn't a real name. So he settled for... Hey, um... The man turned and nodded his head in greeting but didn't stop walking. It's Nate. Nate. Nate, do you need... Nope. All squared away, spokesman. Go relax. It's your first winter. We'll take care of things while you learn the ropes. Ravi tried to respond, but the man had simply kept walking, waving a goodbye over his shoulder. So Ravi sat back down and picked up his canteen. It was empty. 
There were only 46 people living in Dyer. He was determined to, if not befriend, at least gain the respect of each of them in time. But how could he do that if they wouldn't even talk to him? A crunch in the snow snapped him away from his brooding thoughts. A disheveled-looking woman stood outside the trading post, staring at the door. She looked like something an oxbane had chewed up and spit out. There were forty-six people living in Dyer, and this was not one of them. She turned to look at him. Her eyes ran up and down his body as if searching for something. Then she turned away and entered the trading post, a look of disinterest on her face. Another dismissal. Ravi set his jaw and stood up. That was enough. Greeting visitors was squarely in his job description. Especially dangerous-looking visitors. He would make sure this drifter wasn't up to something. Yes, he'd send her on her way. It was his town now, after all. Estes dropped her pack by the door and walked up to the trading counter. A ropey-looking girl stood behind the counter, wringing her hands, watching her in quick glances. There wasn't a proper bar in the trading post, but there was a bar. It was four stools in front of a counter where bags of grain and jugs of heating oil sat. Every town had a bar. What else was there to do but drink this far north? Estes took a seat and moved a sack of grain so she could put her elbows up. She scanned the room for exits, people, and weapons. Then she turned her silent gaze to the girl behind the counter. The girl took in a sharp breath and then slipped away into a back room. Estes could hear soft murmuring between two people, but couldn't make out the words. The front door opened again and Estes turned to look. This must be the town tough, come to tell her not to make trouble. Pretty fast work getting here so soon, she'd only just sat down. She wondered if she would have to do this routine in every town. A fat young man with the brown skin suggestive of southern heritage waddled into the trading post. He tried to close the door, but fumbled with the lock and it blew back open. He scrambled to close the door and after a few more attempts, finally got the lock to catch. Then he started walking toward her, with his arms straight out in front of him like a scarecrow coming in for a handshake. Welcome to Dyer. I'm Ravi Specht. Estes took the hand and gave it a proper handshake, planting her feet just in case he tried to use the arm as leverage in a surprise fight. The young man let out a little grunt, released her hand, then opened and closed his hand, wincing. What brings you here? Business. Oh? He took a seat on the stool next to her. They both politely ignored the tortured cracking sounds his chair made. What kind of business? Oh, just setting up some contracts for next year. Hopefully. She deliberately stowed her glyph pouches in her pack. They would give away that she was a binder. If word got out that a binder was in town, her quarry would flee. At the same time, she needed to learn everything she could, and that meant poking her nose around a little. The man next to her looked more like an obstacle than a lead, though. 
it would be best to be rid of him quickly. Looks like you scared off Cecilia. I'll keep you company until she gets back. That's not necessary. Instead of accepting the dismissal, he smiled warmly. The warm smile of a bureaucrat who had no intention of listening. That a uh, military uniform? Estes stiffened. The young man kept smiling, though. I don't see any rank or branch medals, though. So, you on leave or something? Yes. Not the kind of place most people go on leave. I'm not most people. And like I said, business. Mm-hmm. Business with who, exactly? I know everyone in this town. Estes had no glyph pouches, but she'd taken the time to sew some glyphs into her clothes before coming into Dyer. It wasn't a true arsenal. She didn't have the time or materials to prepare anything beyond some creative distractions and makeshift weapons. But it was enough to cook this guy if it came to it. Not a good way to start her covert investigation, though. She let a hand slip behind her back to palm the composite smoke and light glyph she'd tucked in her waistband. They didn't give me their name. I don't know who I'm meeting. The man's smile finally fell from his face. Is that so? He leaned forward, eyes narrowing. I think you should conduct your business quickly and in the open. She wanted very much to bounce this man's head off the counter. He was clearly a stooge. Either a complete nobody or the lapdog to someone more important. The girl, Cecilia, returned then with an older man. The way she stood just behind him indicated trust. Her father, maybe? The man wiped his hands off on a rag and tossed it aside, stepping up to the other side of the counter. Evening, spokesman. Then he nodded at Estes. Evening. Sorry about that. Cecilia's not used to visitors. It's usually not a problem here. As you might imagine, the name's Gust. Estes replied with a shallow nod. Estes. Nice to meet you. How can I help? Dry rations? Something I can carry. And a drink. If you please. Oh, and some steel weapons, if you have them. The round man next to her perked up at that. He was the spokesman? It seemed like an odd choice. Expecting trouble? I hope not. Something big caught my trail about halfway here from Green Hollow. The man nodded slowly. No weapons to spare, unfortunately. But the rations and drinks I can manage. What did the beast look like, if you caught it? Hard to say. It kept its distance. Gust poured her a drink and then started gathering supplies from around the trading post as they spoke. Well, it could have been that same oxbane that's been giving us so much trouble. It's a real thorn. We've lost a dozen livestock already. 
It must have had pups if it's eating that much, though. They don't usually bother people. Oxbane. Oh, sorry, spokesman, I forgot you were here. Yeah, an oxbane is, it's like a wolf, but, but bigger. Much bigger. Normally, wolves will give you more trouble than an oxbane. Still, I can't say I'd like to have one following me home. I know what an oxbane is. Sure, sure. And don't get that look on me, spokesman. Don't worry about it. We'll take care of it. Dennis and his nephew are trying to trap it. Like I keep saying, it's your first winter. We don't expect you to do everything. Estes sipped her drink and watched the exchange. She needed some excuse to be here. Gust finished stuffing food and basic supplies into the burlap sack, then dropped the sack on the counter. That'll be five pieces. Estes's eyebrows went up. Five? We don't get by turning visitors into enemies. You'll get a fair deal here. It was more than a fair deal. The first half-dozen things he'd stuffed into that bag were worth more than twenty pieces. Easy. And they were worth more than twenty pieces in a town much closer to where goods were actually produced. How exactly did people make a living this far north? So she paid the man. Estes here was just telling me about the contracts she's here for. Contracts? What contracts? She covered her grimace with another sip of alcohol. How to play this? Pelton would know. What she would give to have the detectives help in this. But that was impossible. Pelton was more likely to put her in chains than help her at this point. Military contracts. That was when the man behind the counter froze. Gust shot a quick glance at his spokesman, then forced a nervous smile. He took in her uniform. Who you meeting with? Estes shrugged. There was a trail here. It might not be the trail she was looking for, but at this point, she followed what was in front of her. She tried her best to look relaxed, just as confounded as he was. I didn't get a name. I was told they'd meet me when I arrived. Then the spokesman rose from his stool, that warm but indifferent smile back on his face again. You've got your supplies, but unfortunately... We don't have a place for you to stay. You must be in the wrong place. Gust put his hands out. Hold on. We're not sending anyone away before dark, especially if there's an oxbane hanging about. Then Gust met her eyes, and all humor drained from his face. Besides, she can't leave yet. She just got here. If you'll excuse me, I have some barrels to clean. He gave them a sharp nod and left. The spokesman stared at her with undisguised suspicion. Why are you really here? It's like I said, spokesman. Business. He continued to stare. I'm permitted to carry a weapon. Estes snorted a little laugh, staring straight ahead instead of meeting his eyes. He didn't say he had a weapon. A moment later, Cecilia stepped up to the counter again. 
She'd never actually left, but as quiet as she was, they'd all forgotten her. You can stay with Miss Roselda. You can stay with Miss Roselda. We don't have an inn, but when visitors come, she lets them stay in her shed. It's, it's nice. It's a nice shed. Estes polished off her drink and picked up the sack of dirt-cheap supplies. Hopefully they weren't poisoned. Sounds lovely. Will you take me there? I'll do it. Estes rolled her eyes. This one was like a dong on her shoe. Let's go, then. The two of them walked in silence for a few minutes through the scattered buildings they called a town. The snowstorm from the day before did a lot to clean up the place just by burying it. Estes finally broke the silence herself. She had to. If this place didn't turn up any answers, she clutched at her chest. Her heart pounded. She needed answers. Spokesman, Ravi, this might sound like an odd question, but have you seen anyone new around here in the past few months? Besides you? Yes. No one? Her heart fell to the snow. That couldn't be right. There was nowhere else. Nothing farther north. It was dire, and then the wastes. A frozen hellscape where nothing grew. No one really knew what was beyond the wastes, because no one came back from those trips. Ravi stopped walking. Supposedly, they send off a couple dozen people per year who try to cross the wastes. Apparently, that's where most of this town makes its money, outfitting idiots for their suicidal mission. He turned and watched her coolly. Of course. They all come in the spring. No one is crazy enough to come to Dyer in the winter. No one but you. He let his words hang on the quiet winter breeze. There was a long, howling cry in the distance. Like a wolf, but deeper. Sadder, somehow. It was a lonely cry. Estes looked out into the darkening, starless wilderness. And though she waited, no one answered that lonely cry. Uh.